Ephesians 4, beginning again in verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Today now we are again considering how as new creatures in Christ we are to put off all that we once were in the days of our unbelief. And then how we are to replace that old man, that old self, with the new man that is described here as born again in the true righteousness and holiness of Christ. And as we do that, today we're going to give a special close attention to God's admonition here in verse 29 about the words that flow freely out from our mouths. But before we do that, may I again caution us with the warnings that we have been repeating here each Sunday as we've studied through this passage. That even though in those first moments of our salvation, the shed blood of Christ truly did just wash us clean from our sins. All our sins were washed away. But strangely, residues of that old self that had before dominated and controlled all of our fleshly desires and behaviors, somehow that old self is still able to reach back and regain access and influence over our souls. Our old flesh, though it is now completely dead within us, still desires many of our old former habits and beliefs and philosophies that were in those days of unbelief so destructive to us. I reckon it to like an old pair of shoes that are so comfortable that we keep going back to them. So it is with those old philosophies and former beliefs that we held dear. But we're to be warned that left unattended, those old fleshly desires will surely reassert themselves back into our lives, into this new life with Christ. And the corruption that will take place then as Jesus said in his warning, it will be ever so much worse than it ever was before. And so here God is urging us, he's even pleading with us to immediately begin putting off those old ways and to replace them with this new nature of the new man of righteousness and holiness that the Spirit of Christ has brought into our souls. And recall the warning that we gave the last time that we were together. And that is the understanding that as a demon is driven out from a person, they are clean, as we've been speaking about here. But unless that empty void is replaced with this new man, that demon will get seven more just like them and bring them back. And we'll be ever so much worse than we ever were before. So I plead with us to do exactly 
as we're being admonished here to go ahead and get on about this Christianity of ours and to keep on getting on about it, putting on this new nature that God speaks about here. Else, we too will become even more corrupt than we ever were before. And as we're warned here in verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We will surely grieve the Holy Spirit if we don't go ahead and get on about this Christianity of ours and we allow those former sins to come back in. Now may I take another moment and remind us as we read here about grieving the Holy Spirit that God really does. His Holy Spirit really does live right inside each of us who have Christ as our Savior. As I've been saying over and over again, He's not out there somewhere. He is not out there somewhere far removed from us and from our behaviors and only available to us when we pray. The Holy Spirit now abides within us. It's a strange concept for most of us to truly and fully accept. But He now abides within us And listen, he is fully aware of every thought that we think and everything we do. You recall that as Jesus walked with his disciples and as he would minister to the various ones, he often would say, or the scriptures would say, knowing what they were thinking or knowing what was in their mind, Jesus said thus and so. Jesus knew what everyone was thinking all around him and so does the Holy Spirit who lives within you and me. And so we don't get away with thinking of the thoughts that we think and doing the things that we do. He lives right within us. And because he does, every thought we think, every word that we say, every activity we involve ourselves in, sadly he's involved in them also because he is in us. And as we get caught back in our old nature and begin to do those things that he speaks about here. He warns against them. He says, you once were liars. He says, I want you to give up lying and stealing, corrupt conversation, anger, bitterness. Again, if we participate in those things, he is in us and we are grieving him by requiring him to walk with us through those things. I thought of comparison. We're his children. If our children get involved in vile things, vile behavior, but not only that, they require us to come with them and to be with them and to participate with them in their vile behavior, how much that would break our hearts. We would be grieved beyond measure. We must not do that to our loving Savior. So then, with all of these things firmly fixed in our minds, I want us to go ahead and continue on with this study, moving now to this admonishment regarding the corrupt words that come out from our mouths. Listen to these words. I'm going to read all the way from verse 24 to verse 32, and then we'll talk about them. Verse 24 of Ephesians 4. 
put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the new man that God wants us to be. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. Now, as we've been studying for these past three weeks, God here is telling us that it was at one time normal for us. It was a normal part of our nature to tell lies. We might not have even known that we were lying at the time, but we stretched the truths to fit our circumstances. So it's circumstantial lying. I know about it. Because I've done it lots of times. And I don't want to do it anymore. And what he's saying here is don't do that anymore. Measure your words. He's saying also you get angry and you express yourself. He's saying when you get angry, don't let it go to the point of sin. And he says also too, you steal from one another. Folks, we have all had a common way of stealing from one another. Different with each one of us, but we did. We were thieves. But now he's saying, I want you with your new nature to put all of those things aside and to begin to speak truth into others' lives. I want you to show patience and kindness and love to each other. And instead of stealing from them, get a job or even another job, or find ways to have money left over to give to those who are in need. We mentioned a week or two ago that wouldn't it be such a wonderful thing if you would do that, if I would do that, and by the money that I would give to someone else, perhaps be at such a crucial time in their life that it would keep them from becoming a thief. They might have been right on the verge of stealing themselves, but your gift, kept them from stealing. What a joyous thought. Now here in verse 29, God goes on to exhort us to be careful, be very careful about the words that flow out from our mouths. Now I want you to think with me through this. We today are living in such a unique time in the history of men. It's a time when communication is at the forefront of all of the things that are taking place. Think about it. All we have to do is turn on our television and look at our even one of our 500 channels that are available to us. Recall just a few years ago when we had three. Now we have 500 to 1,000. And all we have to do is turn especially to those news programs and those 
panel discussions within those news programs. And we can see that conversation, the words that flow out from their mouths, is the instrument of not only informing us of matters, but also of influencing us towards their belief. I'm so aware of that today. And I have to be careful, especially if I have turned to a station where I generally agree with them. That's even more dangerous for me. Leading me down a path that I should not go. Now I also recall that as the internet began to be developed just these few years ago, it was dubbed the information superhighway. Information superhighway. And it is. It is. And each day, more and more, is being added to that internet. All you have to do is type one word into Google and you can find thousands of responses. Now, thankfully, much of what the internet has to offer is good. It is good. But at the same time, regrettably, it is also very evil. We can find videos on just about everything that we want to look for. For myself, how to build a patio, or a workshop, or a back porch. But then also, I have to be careful because there are also just as many or more, perhaps at times, videos and information on the worst of pornography. It's always popping up on the side of the screens. And it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with that. We can also find all that we could ever want to know about radical religions. And we can find out how to build a bomb. And we can also find out how to manufacture drugs. And all sorts of other evil things. The media has become this dominant source of making all things known, both good and evil. And I know that it must truly grieve the heart of God as he watches his beloved children creating these awful things out of what he has given to them as a good and perfect gift. All things that come from the Father are good and perfect gifts, our scripture says, but we would take those things that information, that opportunity, and we would pervert it and make evil things. And so here he tells us to let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Communication, media. But he's talking to you and me. He said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, may we pause here and ask ourselves, what does God desire and expect you and me to do with these words of warning? And I believe the answer to that question is a lot more simple than we make it out to be. Because, yes, we can see on a massive scale that the Internet and the 500 channels of television, all that they have to offer is prolific. I mean, it's and growing. And it's fully focused on influencing and changing the hearts and minds of millions of people each day. 
But as for us, as for you, and as for me, God is telling us that where goodness and righteousness and holiness must begin, listen, it is at the level of each individual heart that we have to not just see the massive numbers of people that are being influenced. The Lord is saying, let's reduce it down to one, to each believer, to each one person. And then from each of us, our communication then, he's saying, is to spread this righteousness. Not all that we are able to see on those mass communication medias, but that which he is speaking of here, righteousness and holiness, that each of us individually would spread. Let this flow out of our mouths, the righteousness and holiness that we would learn from him, that he is putting forth here. So then, simply put, it is within you and me that these changes must begin. One person at a time. And yes, the world is a mess, and it still is running headlong in the wrong direction, but you and I can do very little about that. Yes, we may sit and complain, but what good is that? What good is that? So we can't do anything about all of that, but we can do something about ourselves. And that's where we're to start, and that's what he's saying to us here. That is where we are to start. We are to start with our own heart and with our own mind and with the words that flow out from our own mouths. And listen also, we have a great responsibility in this matter because it is us alone. It is you and me who have Christ. It is only you and me who have the answers and are being called to give forth those answers to that world that has needs. And the words we're supposed to speak is the pure and holy word of God. And no, we don't have access to that great media. But we do to those around us. And that's what God is saying here. But he gives us this with a warning. He gives us this calling with a warning. He's saying as we would then move on out and press on forward with this new calling, we need to be warned that our tongues, our tongues are not to be trusted. Your mouth and my mouth is not to be trusted. That our tongues have this power and this influence that's beyond our understanding and it's reckoned to be similar to that of a small rudder on a giant ship. And it's able to guide, but also misguide a great ship. And so our tongues are able to guide and misguide our own souls and the souls of others, everyone that we would come into contact with. I prayed in a prayer a while ago. If I don't give Jesus to my family, who will? And if I am not giving Jesus to my family, what am I giving them? What kind of personal opinions and philosophies and ideas am I giving to them? That's what God's talking about here. Because our tongue is just like that small rudder guiding that great ship. We can misguide whole generations of children, our children, that will follow after us. And so it's a great responsibility that we have. This tongue of ours, he says 
is not to be trusted. With our tongue we can bless some while we curse others. Listen to these words. These are words of warning. First from James chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. Listen to these words. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell itself. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame their tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, but with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessings and curses. And he closes with, in verse 10, My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And then listen, this is from Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 18. Those things which proceed out of our mouth come from the heart, and they are that which defile a man. For out of the heart, listen, proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Did you note all of those words? Our tongue is like a fire that comes out of the pit of hell. It's a restless evil, able to both bless and to curse almost in the same sentence. And here in verse 29, he warns us, let no corrupt word, guard your tongue, he say. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace, be a blessing to all who hear. Now may I take a moment and ask us to really get personal with these words. As you and I go about our day, do you, do I, take part in corrupt conversation? As we interact with our family, behind the closed doors, and especially within the listening ears of the little ones, are our words good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers? Or do we with the same mouth bless some while we curse others? Miscellaneous words that flow out while we're watching a football game, men. While we're watching a news program. Our loved ones are listening and they're taking it all in. Are we blessing some and cursing others? Do we grumble and complain about our friends, about our co-workers, perhaps across the break room table, about our bosses. Do we spend much of our time just railing against those in authority over us and these perceived inequities that are there, that unfairness with which we are treated? Just over these past few days, I've been constrained by my circumstances to listen to seemingly unending streams of railing against all sorts of perceived mistreatments. 
defiling words that should never flow out of a person's mouth. But then, as I think through this, do I, do we, do you not also do much the same with our conversation? Do we not also, on a moment's notice, argue and dispute and rail against other people? Do we curse those who think differently from us? Either under our breath or out loud, doesn't matter. Do we not know that our corrupt words are intimately connected to those beliefs that are making their way back into our lives from our old life? Here in verse 31, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice. It's from those that are coming back into our lives that so much of this this corrupting language that we use foments out of. And by the way, please do not deceive yourself into thinking that an excuse like, well, I didn't really mean to say something wrong, that that makes a difference. It doesn't. You've wasted those words. The only words that count at times like that is asking the Lord to forgive you and asking the person that you're talking to to forgive you. He's saying to us, let those things never come out of your mouth. If it shouldn't be said, don't say it. There's a proverb that says that even a fool seems somewhat intelligent if he keeps his mouth shut. The Lord says, so much of what we have to say needs not be said because it will defile others and it will surely grieve the tender heart of God. And listen, whether or not those words are well thought out or they just are blurted out on a moment's notice, you and I have to guard them carefully because you can't take them back. They have an effect on people. Now, before we close, I want us to understand something. Who are you? Who am I? If we have Christ as our Savior, you and I are the beloved children of God. We are His loved children, dearly loved children. Jesus shed His precious blood and gave His life to cleanse us from those sins. And we ought not allow them to come back into our life and then spew them forth from our mouths. There's words in the book of Hebrews that say that we are trampling underfoot the precious blood of Christ, and that ought never be. So then, what should we do about it? The first is, you and I have to understand that we truly are blinded to our own faults. And so as we look out in the mass media and we see all that foolishness, the Lord is allowing that to be a mirror into our own soul. Simply use it as a mirror and say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to instead have life and godliness at the forefront of my life and in that which I give to others. And Lord, I want you to also look into my heart. Reveal to me my own words. Because listen, with our words we lie, our words hurt others, they corrupt others, they defile, they dishonor, they deceive, they disgrace, they slander, they pervert, and they leave permanent scars that can't be removed. 
And worst of all, they lead others down a pathway where Christ would not want them to go. And here God is offering a far better alternative. And that is for you and me to surrender our hearts to Christ and surrender the words of our mouths over to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, then we'll be able to fulfill this verse 29. The words here, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let's pray.